So I just wanted to bring up the proclamation once again. Just kind of, I want everyone to always have their bearings whenever we jump into, you know, whatever discussion we're going to have that night. I just want everyone to have their bearings that so much of this document are warnings. And they are warning of the dangers that are coming. Isn't that what a prophet, seer, and a revelator is supposed to do? I see danger coming. Here's the warning. So we kind of tuned our ear first to what are the dangers? What are the problems? What are the warnings they're telling me and how do I prevent them? And I, hence, I think that's why they ask college students to take this class, to say long before you really become... I mean, I wish I had had this class when I was your age. But long before that, your family kind of becomes an object for most of you, let's talk about the dangers that are going to cause the family to fall apart. So that's where we've been, is beware of the, the dangers that are going to potentially destroy your family. Then we've moved on to what's the skill set? How do I begin to develop the skill set of a successful family? And that's where we're going to focus on this sentence, just a simple sentence, but so profound. Successful marriages and families are established and maintained on, and then they list nine principles. And again, I wanted to point out last time that I think they're in pairs. Faith and prayer kind of go together. Repentance and forgiveness kind of go together. These three, you'll see, go together. These two go together. So what is it that this first pair is trying to say? And I just, I don't mean to oversimplify, but isn't the, isn't the proclamation trying to say, okay, here's heaven and all the power of heaven, and here's your family. And the only way that that family is going to be fully successful is if we make a connection between the two. Faith is one of the ways we make a connection. The temptation to let go of promises when the fear comes is a very real problem for families. Being able to have a child in the face of all the fears of today. And so faith is clearly one way we make that connection. Today, I want to talk about the second word, prayer. Um, and I would pray, again, for a Lord is it I attitude. I do not believe there is a planet there. I, don't, I do not believe there is a person in the church or on this planet who could not dramatically improve the peace and the power in their life if we said more and said better prayers. Do you agree? Do you think almost all of us universally could improve our lives with more and better prayer? The problem with prayer is it becomes repetitive, and anything that's repetitive has the problem of becoming, yeah, checklist. And it loses the power. Do you remember how many times in the scriptures the Lord said, I'm sick and tired of your sacrifices? Because they've lost the meaning. You don't offer them with your hearts. And so I would ask that we all kind of have an apostolic attitude when Jesus said, 
one of you is going to betray me. And they all said, eh, it's me, isn't it? I know, I know I have this problem. And ask yourself, how could I improve my life with saying more and saying better prayers? Now, I am convinced we could spend a lifetime talking about how to improve my prayers, our prayers. I'm fascinated with something that I see repeatedly in the scriptures. Let me show you it in the life of Jesus. I am fascinated by this verse. I don't think Peter and James and John were rookies when it comes to spirituality as they served in the Quorum of the Twelve Apostles. And not only that, but look what chapter we're in. This is Luke 11. We're not at the beginning of their ministry. They have been with Jesus for quite a while. I think these are seasoned religious leaders that were chosen to be in the Quorum of the Twelve Apostles. But watching Jesus pray one time, what did they say? What did the Quorum of the Twelve Apostles say? I wonder if our modern-day Quorum of the Twelve Apostles would say the same thing. Can you imagine today's Quorum of the Twelve Apostles watching Jesus pray? What would it mean to you if you heard Jeffrey R. Holland say to Jesus, teach me to pray like that. I want to know how to pray like that. That's the spirit of which I want to address today. That I have a family and there's such great potential for that family to be broken and I need the power of heaven. And if I were to watch Jesus pray, I think I would say to him in a begging, pleading way, Lord, teach me to pray. Prayer is not something that just children need to learn to do. Prayer is something that all of us need to do. One of the most powerful moments of my life. I grew up with Spencer W. Kimball. He was the prophet of my youth. Oh, did I love President Kimball. I still say President Kimball and I hold my hand over my heart. President Kimball. Oh. Uh, right before he got very sick and we didn't hear from him a lot for the, for the last few years. And, one day, the, another apostle, Marvin J. Ashton, stood up and his conference talk was to pay tribute to President Kimball. And he told President Kimball stories. It was one of the best talks of my whole life to hear President Kimball stories. President Kimball going to prison, President Kimball doing all these things. And the, one of the things that stuck, that really struck me, is one day, President Spencer W. Kimball, who'd been president of the church for over a decade, said to Marvin J. Ashton, I thought I knew how to pray before. But now I'm really learning how to pray. I was 16 when I heard that. And I heard that a prophet was just learning how to pray. So in that spirit, go ahead. You were going to say something. Um, I was just going to say that like, it's also interesting to you with prayer because we all have a different way to pray yeah. as well. But I mean, there's like a general normal kind of prayer, just kneeling and doing the prayer, but there's like other ways that you can pray. Yeah. You can pray through music. And we should, right? That's appropriate. I can pray through thoughts. I can pray through feelings. I can pray through music. And I need to find those ways and I need to use them. 
So we could spend so much time talking about prayer. And in, in preparing for today, and I thought, okay, what's the skill set that would improve prayer in a family setting? I decided we're going to talk today about praying in the name of Jesus Christ. I don't know if you've thought about that phrase. In the name of Jesus Christ. Tell me what that means. Well, um, I, I um, went to the temple um, earlier this week, and so I'm just thinking about it, but they say um, Jesus Christ is... Um, the veil represents Jesus Christ, and so he's our way to communicate with heaven. Okay. He is the means of communication. I love that. And so we are invoking him in our prayer. But what does it mean to pray in his name? I am praying in the name of Jesus. It's kind of like a signature, like a seal. So whose signature? Whose signature am I putting on my prayer? My signature? I'm putting his signature. Now, that's a pretty audacious thought, which says, if I'm praying in the name of Jesus, the things I'm asking better be what? Things that Jesus wants to ask. That is the doctrine I want to talk about today. You are not praying in the name of Jesus if you are praying for things that Jesus does not want to grant. Now that, I think, is one of the greatest secrets to open up the power of prayer, is to learn to pray in the name of Jesus. Let me give an example. How many of you would allow me to teach a lesson in your name? Why not? Would you allow me to walk into another room and teach a lesson in your name? Make you very nervous, right? Why would it make you nervous? You don't fully represent me. And I don't, I'm a little nervous that you're going to say something that I, I don't fully support. Do you, understand, do you see that concept? For me to say, in the name of Jesus Christ, I'm making him a little nervous, unless what? I am praying for what I know he wants to grant. Now, I have spent my life watching a lot, listening to a lot of people pray. As a seminary teacher, I heard five, I taught between four and seven classes every day. And I listened to someone pray every class. I have noticed some patterns in my prayers and in those prayers, and I don't think very many of them are truly in the name of Jesus Christ. So let me see if I can help you pray with greater power in your family and for your family by learning to pray in the name of Jesus Christ. To truly say, I am confident that what I'm asking for is something he wants to give me. 
So what do you do when you are not confident that what you're praying for is something he wants to give me? That's what we're going to do today. Um, just kind of wanted to say like a little bit along that, those lines. Uh, you probably can touch on it, but just where of like not expecting to be given something, but like to be asked to like help work towards something. You begin to see, right? That would be like kind of one thing too. Sometimes. Don't just give me good grades. Yeah. Help me get. Now you're starting to see prayer in the name of Jesus Christ. This isn't a, hey, bless my basketball team to win and that basketball team to lose because we're better than that team. So help us be the winners and let them be the losers. Well, those are his children and these are his children. And it's very hard for him to up there and say, well, I like you guys better than those guys, so I'm going to make sure you win. That is not praying in the name of Jesus. That's right. The other guys are praying that they win and we lose. I don't know anyone who, you know, as a team, kneels at Heavenly Father, bless the other team to win because they're a lot better than us. And so how do we pray? How do we make sure I'm praying in the name of Jesus? You have to figure out, because he, he can't take away others' agency, and you have to figure out what is going to be the most helpful for the situation. So if you're like getting ready to go into a game, you pray that you're going to play to the best of your abilities. Instead of? Instead of the other team losing, because then that's within your control. You're asking for his help. To do your best. Now you're you starting. You can't control. You can't take. You can't ask Christ yes. to take away somebody else's agency. Now you're starting to see. You got it. That is so true. Now even even I got even that. What if it's the Lord's intention that I break my leg in the game, for the good of my salvation? He he intends me to break my leg, and I pray that no harm will come to me during the game. Yes. Um, are, have you already talked about the brother of Jerry? Yeah, you know where we're going, right? You know exactly where we're going. Jeff's been in my class before. So hold on. That's exactly where we're going to go. We're going to go to the brother of Jared, and we're going to use the storm and the boat and the prayer of the brother of Jared as an example of how do I pray in the name of Jesus? Because let me push back on that a little bit. If if I pray that there's no harm in my life today, but it was the Lord's intention that I, he knew I'm going to fall from a great distance and I'm going to harm my body, and it really is the best thing for me, was I praying in his name when I prayed that no harm came to me that day? Well, technically, I could make an argument that you weren't, that that prayer was not in his name. So what do we do to make sure we're always praying in his name when I don't know what he wants to give me. Let's turn to Ether, go to the, the brother of Jared, Ether chapter 6. Ether chapter 6. I want to talk about this storm and the boat and getting to America. Quite often in the scriptures, journeys, water is, water is symbolic of chaos, the chaos of mortality. And calming the water is often a metaphor of Jesus calming the chaos of mortality. So getting the Jaredites across the water is symbolic of getting us through the chaos of mortality. And this little boat is symbolic of that journey. 
Now turn with me to Ether chapter 6. I'm going to pull it up together so we can kind of do it together. Let me pull up my Book of Mormon. And let's go to Ether chapter 6. Now this is the actual journey. This is when they get in their boats and they start traveling. I want to start in verse 5 and 6. Tell me, let's see if I can fit five and I can't quite, okay, I'll do it smaller. Tell me what's going to happen to the boat. Not what's doing it, what's happening to the boat. So give me descriptions that describe what's happening to the boat in verse five. The boat is going to be, here's the first one, tossed. So what does that mean? T tell me practically what's happening. A massive wave is hitting the boat and moving it out of its trajectory. Now, do you see that symbolically? Have you ever been tossed? Have you ever planned on going this direction? Here's the plan for my life. And then all of a sudden, something just massively moves you out of that path. You have been tossed. Every one of us have been tossed, right? Sometimes it's something I did, sometimes it's something someone else did, but we have all been tossed. The boat, that poor boat, got beat up and tossed. Okay, there's one. Give me another one. So in the verse 6, after tossed, we've got in verse 6, buried. Now, much, much like my life, have you ever felt buried? That poor boat has to survive being underwater. And the pressure that being underwater is going to put on that boat. And your life is going to be buried. There's one more, tossed, buried. And I want to talk about this one. We need to add this next word. It's not that the boat is going to break. Is that the boat is going to be broke upon. Now, in the symbolism of the water, a wave is breaking and crashing down on the boat. But how about in the application of our life? Broke upon would suggest that something else is breaking and dumping on me. This isn't my problem. This was someone else's problem that got dumped on me. I wasn't the one that cheated, and yet my marriage has now fallen apart. I had every intention of keeping my covenants, and now because of someone else's choices, I'm being broke upon. That's a harsh reality to mortality. I am being broke upon. So what if we step back one level, if that's what's happening to the boat, what's doing it? What's tossing the boat? What's burying the boat? And what's breaking upon the boat? Do you see the two? Up here we've got furious wind. Actually, we're going to save that one. Sorry, not furious wind. So let's say furious wind. Because the wind isn't tossing the boat. There's no way wind is enough to toss the boat. But what's tossing the boat? Mountain waves and a terrible tempest. So it's the waves and the tempest 
that are actually tossing the boat. Now, what's causing the wave and the storm? That's when we go to this one. What's causing the wave? The wind is causing the waves that are beating upon the boat. So we have a furious wind that's creating a storm and waves at sea, which are tossing, burying, and breaking upon the boat. So the question is, what's causing the wind? What's causing the wind? So now let's go back to chapter 2. Flip back to chapter 2, verse 24. Tell me what's causing the wind. What's causing the wind? The winds have gone forth out of my mouth. God is blowing the wind that's creating the circumstances that are beating upon me. Now, when we pray, what is it that we usually pray for? If the brother of Jared were to say, okay, I have a problem because I, I need air and I need light in my vessels, and here's the problem. What are you going to do so you have air and light in your vessels? What would have been maybe the easiest proposal? Lord, don't blow such a furious wind. I have the solution. Stop blowing the wind. Now, how many times in your prayer is the solution to your problem that God stop blowing the wind? But here's the irony. If he wanted to stop blowing the wind, then what? He wouldn't have blown it in the first place. So I'm asking God to do something that he wanted to do in the beginning. Do you see the irony? I have a solution, Lord. I won't be tossed or buried or broke upon if you don't blow the wind. But he says from the very beginning, I'm going to blow the wind. So what's the solution for you, Mahanrai? What do you want me to do? And the answer isn't stop blowing the wind. Now, look at the, very, look at the question in verse 25. What's the question? I prepare you against these things. I, prayer is to prepare us against mortality, the journey through the chaos. You cannot cross this great deep, safe, I prepare you. Your family will never survive, say, I prepare you. So what's the you here? I prepare you. You cannot cross the great deep, save, I prepare you. What? is he pointing to that needs his help? Is it the storm? It's the boat, right? I am more interested in what you want me to do for the boat to survive the tossing than in solutions that would cause me to change what I wanted to do in the first place. So the question is, 
What will ye that I should prepare for you that you may have light when you are swallowed up in the depths of the sea? Where is his focus? Tell me where Heavenly Father is focusing where he wants to send blessings. Is he focused on sending his blessings here or here? Therefore, to pray in the name of Jesus, we really should be adding what element? What does the boat need if the storm doesn't go away? Now, let me put these in other terms. Let me put this prayer right here. To pray for the storm, to pray for the wind, is asking Heavenly Father to change my circumstances. Change my circumstances. I need more money. I need someone healed. I need this. I need to change my circumstances. That's what this prayer is. Change my circumstances. But the irony is, if I ask him to take the wind away, what am I asking him? I'm asking him to do something that he doesn't want to do. He's the one causing the storm. He's the one that's blowing the wind. If I say stop blowing the wind, I'm asking, I cannot be praying in the name of Jesus then. That is not a prayer in the name of Jesus who's blowing the storm to say stop blowing the storm. He's the one that's saying you need these circumstances. So the question, this prayer right here, to pray for the boat is to say, change me, change me. I need you to help me change. Now I know that he wants to do that. He's asked, what do you need for the boat? Tell me what the boat needs. What does the boat, he's asking, for how can I bless the boat? How can I bless the boat? What will you that I prepare for you when the storm comes? To pray in the name of Jesus needs to include a prayer for the boat. Now, let me show you the greatest example of this that there is in anywhere. When Jesus walked into the Garden of Gethsemane, what was his prayer? Understandably so, what was his prayer? Change my circumstances. Take the pain away. True or false? He was asking the Father to take the pain away. Anyone know what happens next? That's part of his prayer. He was always that way. But there's no question. What was he praying for? He was praying in the name of the Father, so to speak. But what was his prayer? Take my pain away. That was his prayer. 
I want the pain to go away. I want my financial problems to go away. I want my health problems to go away. I want the pain to go away. I want my problems to go away. Does anyone know what happened after he said that? Not, not yet. Something else happened. He asked for his circumstances to be changed. Does anyone know what happened? Let's read it. Turn with me now. Here's the thing. Matthew has the second prayer, but Luke has what happened between them. So we need to read two. So let's go, let's go to Luke 22. Luke 22 has what happened after the prayer. So open up to Luke 22, and then we're going to go back to Matthew 26. All right, Luke 22. And you'll find that same prayer. Ready? Here comes the prayer. Is in verse 42. Father, if thou be willing, remove this cup from me. Now let me just pause. If Jesus asked for a change of his circumstances, does that mean it's a bad thing to change, to ask for a change of circumstances? It's good enough for the Savior. I think it's good enough for me. I don't think I, don't think I will ever stop asking that the pain go away, that the problem go away. The key is, what do I say next? When I say, Take the storm away. Ooh, but I don't know if Jesus wants to take the storm away. I can't pray in the name of Jesus for something I don't know if he wants to give me. So let me give him something I know he wants to give me. And then I pray. And then I have power in my prayer. So Jesus said, take the cup away. Tell me what happened next. What happened next? An angel came to strengthen him. Meaning what? What was the answer to his first prayer? What was that angel coming saying about his first prayer? I am not taking the cup away. The cup is not going away. Your financial problems are not going away. Your mom is not going to be healed. The circumstances you are praying for are not going to change. That is not my will to change the circumstances. So he got an answer. So he got an answer. The circumstances are not going to change. So now the question is, what does he say next? Now, Luke does not give us the second prayer. So go back to Matthew 26. Let's get the second prayer. I wish they were all consistent because Luke doesn't. Luke gives us the angel coming, which Matthew doesn't. But Matthew, Luke doesn't give us the second prayer. So go to the second prayer. The second prayer is verse 42. It's a very, very, very different prayer. The first prayer was, take my pain away. I'm hurting. I don't like this pain. Take my pain away. Stop blowing the wind. But I don't know if he wants to stop blowing the wind. In his case, the answer came and said, I don't. I am not going to take your pain away. That's not the answer. 
So tell me what his second prayer was. There's a totally different tone here. Father, if this cup may not pass away from me except I drink it, thy will be done. Now, what's the implied ask here? That's the tell. But what's the ask? If it won't be taken away, then? Meaning what? But what's the ask? That's the tell. I'm going to drink it. But what's the implied ask here? It's not in his words. What's the implied ask here? Help me drink it. In other words, give me strength. That's the implied ask here. Lord, I'm going to drink this cup. Father, I'm going to drink this cup. Therefore, what? Help me drink it. What is this prayer? What's he saying? The first prayer was change my circumstance. Now what's he saying? Change me. What the boat needs is strength to do this. I can't do it without strength. This family cannot survive without this. That's what we're praying for. Now, which one do you, can you almost always guarantee you know is in the name of Jesus? Which prayer is almost guaranteed to be in the name of Jesus? Change me. Change me. Then I pray in the name of Jesus and my prayers have power. I'm not praying for my problems to go away. I'm praying for the solutions that I need to deal with the circumstance I'm facing. Um, just that I kind of think, it, well, it does, where it like connects to what we talked about last week, that with the way out the group together, that it takes a lot more faith to go with changing yourself yep. rather than circumstances. You begin to see, you got it. Rather than escaping from it, essentially, like you have to go through it. So quite often, what's the answer to a family in pain? Maybe the prayer needs to be, bless us to deal with this situation. Let me give you some scenarios, okay? Let me give you some, some very real scenarios, okay? Um, mom, newborn baby, baby's not sleeping. Cries all night. Mom's exhausted. Baby cries all night. Mom's exhausted. Tell me what mom's first prayer is. Please cause my baby, please intervene and cause my baby to sleep tonight. In other words, change my circumstances. And again, if it's good enough for Jesus to pray for, I don't think I, I would not hesitate to ask, Lord, let me get some sleep tonight. Bless the baby to sleep. Please intervene and cause my child to sleep well tonight so that I can get some sleep, change my circumstances. But I don't know if Jesus wants to give me that. He didn't last night, nor the night before. So what would be a second prayer? Like the Savior gave two prayers, what would be a second prayer 
If I don't know that one's in the name of Jesus, what could I say to for sure know I am praying in the name of Jesus? What might that mom's second prayer be? Help me comfort or? Help me to ignore him. Bless me with deaf ears. Or how about? Bless me to be patient with him tomorrow when I don't sleep tonight. Now, which one do you know Jesus wants to bless me with? So pray for the storm, but then add a second prayer. Jesus did in Gethsemane. Add a second part of your prayer. If that's not going to happen, I've, if that is not thy will, let me give you one that is. I am going to need patience tomorrow and an outpouring of love for this non-sleeping child. Bless me to see him the way thou seest him that I can treat him with kindness and love. You see the difference between the two prayers? Adding that second prayer will bring power to your prayer. When families pray for their family, in addition to the storm that's waging against them, it brings power. Pray for the boat. Can I show you a beautiful prayer for the boat? Turn with me to 1 Nephi chapter 7. Tell me what your prayer would be in this circumstance. 1 Nephi 7 is when Nephi's brothers, brothers tie him up and they are going to leave him for dead. They're not going to kill them himself. They're not that cold yet. But they're going to leave him to die in the wilderness. They are basically going to let Nephi die. Now tell me what you would pray for if you were Nephi. Lord, break these bands. Strike my brethren down. Free me from this. Get me out of this. Do you see Nephi's prayer? Tell me how Nephi's prayer was different than that. He didn't pray for changed circumstances. He didn't say, break my bands, Lord. He said, give me strength to do what? Break my own bands. Give me strength. What the boat needs right now is strength. Bless me with strength to break my own. Do you think the bands just fell off? Or do you think Nephi was given added strength and determination and he, he fought and he pulled and he hurt, but eventually he got out of the bands? Do you see the power in prayer, Abby? I um, have been trying to pray like this, but um, actually for a different reason. I just, um, 
it really, I think it shows more um, respect for our agency to try to change ourselves rather than our Did you see that? And so, I change think, me. And it's a partnership thing. It's Heavenly Father, I accept that you might be blowing the wind for my best, for my interest. I accept that the pain in my life might be for my good. All these things shall give the experience and shall be for thy good. I accept that. I don't want to take them away if they're for my good, but the boat needs some help to deal with them. Can, you, can I partner with you to strengthen the boat? I love this from Ezra Taft Benson. The Lord works from the inside out. The world works from the outside in. The world would take people out of the slums. Jesus takes the slums out of people, and then they take themselves out of the slums. The world would mold men by changing their environment. Christ changes men who then change their environment. The world would shape human behavior. Christ can change human nature. Bless all the people who are hungry with food. Or bless all the people that are hungry with strength and guidance to know how to find food for themselves and to take care of themselves. Now, does he sometimes change our circumstance? Sure. But if he's the one blowing the wind, I don't want to pray that the wind stop. That would not be in the name of Jesus. So give him a prayer in the name of Jesus. When your family is struggling and hurting, pray for the pain to go away. But then as a family, collectively as a family, Pray for the strength or the whatever the boat needs to get through those changed circumstances. I am confident that that will be a prayer in the name of Jesus. It reminds me of the saints when they were on their trek. Their circumstances certainly yeah. changed. It got worse sometimes, but they received blessings multiple times as they went along and should we die edged them along yep and it reminds me of one person for example that had frostbite that was so bad that his feet were probably even gone then he got healed and he was able to have his feet again he was still in this horrible situation but he then was able to use his feet to dance for the group and get everybody happy and everything which helped them to even be able to continue. Sometimes the miracles are going to come. Sometimes they won't. And should we die before our journey's through? Happy day. All is well. I find it fascinating that this is listed among the how to have a successful family. It's not one that I would have listed but I am so grateful they did. If you want a successful marriage, if you want a successful family, learn to pray in the name of Jesus and your prayers will have greater power. 
And of that I testify in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. I think Jesus would have testified of that very truth. So I testify in his name that it's true.